Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Greetings. Welcome, America. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The third hour of the program, 877-973-7425 is the program. If you want to be on the show, we've got to talk about some intra-Republican turmoil at the moment. I will take your phone calls. People still want to talk about the banking situation. I totally get it. Uh, Happy to have you calling about that. But before we do, is the Republican Party a suicide pact? Is, Is it? It's not supposed to be. I'm a little bit concerned. P, uh, what is it? Uh, PPP, not not uh, the the payroll uh, payment plan. The pollster, though, they've got a poll out in Pennsylvania. Uh, yep, public policy polling. PPP. See, Donald Trump is leading among Republican primary voters for the presidency. That that doesn't really surprise me. The one that surprises me, that disturbs me, is. Doug Mastriano has a big lead in the Pennsylvania Republican primary for the Senate. Mastriano got blown out of the water in a race a Republican could have won for governor, but was such a terrible candidate, he got blown up. Dr. Oz lost. Mastriano lost. Both of them were Trump's guy. So in Pennsylvania, you've got Trump's ahead and Mastriano's ahead is the GOP a suicide pact. I would submit You put Mastriano in for the Senate nomination in Pennsylvania, the GOP is going to lose a seat they could win. In Colorado, Republicans have named as their party chairman a stop the steal, stolen election, 2020 was stolen truther. Colorado voters overall have been rejecting that wing of the GOP, and the GOP intends to rub their nose in it. Maybe the guy is competent as party chairman. I I, I don't know, but um, a lot of people are looking at what's going on in Colorado. They're concerned. You know, in, in Georgia, where I am, they've got the situation as well. There are a number of local parties in the state that have elected uh, at their county organizational level uh, stolen election people who they want to relitigate 2020. They don't want to move on to 2024. They're convinced everything is stolen. They don't particularly care for Brian Kemp. They think uh, he's not sufficiently pro-Trump, even though he won the state. In Georgia, the governor of the state has started a leadership pact that is bypassing the state party, gutting the state party, starving the state party of money. He's allowing the cranks and the fringe to run the party, and he's actually going to run the show, which isn't a bad idea. If the Republicans who run the Republican Party are not uh, sane, are not responsible, or are not ready for showtime, then somebody else has to do it. The Virginia Republican Party has had this problem in the past. Glenn Youngkin kind of got elected despite the Virginia GOP's problems that has oftentimes hired fringy people. Michigan is the same way now. The Michigan GOP has gone all in on stolen election truthers. Do you as a Republican not understand what 2022 signified? Whether you think 2020 was stolen or not, voters are telling you shut up and move on. But you don't want to because you're reactionary. You're reacting to 
the election. You're reacting to the people telling you it wasn't stolen. You're arguing till you're blue in the face that, yes, it was stolen. And by God, I'm not going to shut up about how it was stolen until you shut up. And people are like, fine, I'm just not going to vote for you. I'm going to vote Democrat even though I don't like them because I'm tired of you people. That's what the voters are saying. It's what the voters did. The voters around the country voted for Democrats because they didn't want to put the stolen election nuts in power. Whether you think the election was stolen or not, I'm sorry. You've got to understand that if you want to win as a Republican, you've got to shut up about it and move on. Talk to your therapist about it. Talk to voters about the future. The same thing is happening in Arizona. Carrie Lake is thinking about running for the U.S. Senate, and she is in the lead. This is giving heartburn to a lot of Republicans out there. Axios says newly minted National Republican Senatorial Committee Chairman Steve Daines is taking an active role trying to recruit good candidates. In West Virginia, Jim Justice is thinking he will run against Joe Manchin. Jim Justice is the incumbent Republican governor of West Virginia, and polls have more and more shown that Jim Justice could beat Joe Manchin. Interestingly enough, Joe Manchin has begun siding aggressively with Republicans in killing Biden nominees for various positions, trying to make himself look more conservative. Merely having Jim Justice get into the race has pulled Joe Manchin to the right. Danes looks like he may be able to get Tim Sheehy, who's a 37-year-old Navy SEAL and Purple Heart recipient who founded two businesses in Montana to run against John Tester. He would actually be a very good nominee in Montana. He would fit the bill. Uh, Matt Rosendale uh, isn't sure if he's going to run. Rosendale is the House Republican who opposed McCarthy. Uh, He's being pushed by the Club for Growth. In Ohio, David McIntosh is trying to get Warren Davidson to run for the Senate, uh, and the GOP isn't sure if he's electable or not. I think Warren Davidson would be a great candidate. He's a good dude. But in Pennsylvania, there's Doug Mastriano. They're trying to get David McCormick to run again. David McCormick is the guy who lost to Dr. Oz by a tenth of a percentage point. And David, uh, Dave, Dave, what's his name, McCormick, he would have won if Trump had not endorsed Oz. Mastriano won all the early vote. He won the absentee vote. It was the day of voting where Dr. Oz surged ahead because of Trump's endorsement. Then there's Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake wants to run. She was greeted at CPAC as some sort of hero. She's a loser. This is a real problem. The GOP has got to find good candidates who want to talk about the future. Listen, I, I I was going to say I say this lovingly. I don't think you guys care. Some of you are so hard-hearted about it. I understand a lot of you still think the 2020 election was stolen. I, I've never thought it was stolen. But I understand a lot of you have. And a lot of you believe it. All I will tell you is that most people don't. Most people don't believe the 2020 election was stolen. So if you're going to run candidates 
or you're going to put into power in the GOP a bunch of people who just want to relitigate 2020. It's now 2023, and you're still talking about the past. People want to know about what you're doing in the future. When you look at the results in 2022, the people who won on the GOP side in a year that should have been a great year for the GOP, the ones who won were the ones who focused on crimes and jobs and the economy and didn't squabble about 2020. The ones who lost were the people who wanted to relitigate 2020 who made the argument that we can't move to the future unless we figure out what happened in the past. And that's the argument I still get from people. We're going to have it stolen from us in 2024 if we don't do a 2020. What I'm telling you is the Republicans who didn't buy into that argument and just talked about the future are the ones who won. The ones who sat back and said, well, we can't win if we don't talk about the past. Those guys lost. If you get Doug Mastriano in the Pennsylvania Senate race, he's already been blown out of the water by the people of Pennsylvania. If you get Carrie Lake in the Senate race, she's already been blown out of water by the people of Arizona. And here's the other thing. Let's say you think, well, actually, their races were stolen against them. They're the only ones. Republicans, they're the only ones. The Republicans in Arizona kept the state legislature. Only Carrie Lake and Blake Masters and, and, and their ill lost. Statewide, the Republicans who focus on the future, they did good. The ones who wanted to argue about 2020, they all lost, and most of them, that's what they wanted to focus on, and they all lost. But the GOP picked up majority of seats in the in the federal delegation for Arizona. They picked up the most seats in the state House and in the state Senate. I mean, the Republicans did really well statewide in Arizona, except for the people yelling about stop the steal. You would think they could get a clue on that one of how they need to proceed. Stop talking about the 2020 election. Even if you think it was stolen, shut up about it because nobody cares except you. And if you make your upcoming race about 2020, you're going to get blown out of the water. Do you want to win or do you want to lose smugly? Do you want to hold your nose in the air and say, we might have lost, but it was still stolen from us? Or do you actually want to win by shutting the hell up about 2020? What do you want to do? That's your choice. That's what the voters are telling you. That's not me telling you. That's the voters telling you. The voters in 2022 gave the GOP the House of Representatives by getting them a sweep of the New York congressional delegation with a bunch of people focused on jobs and crime and education. They didn't talk about 2020. They didn't say, well, the election was stolen in New York. No, because they all knew Trump lost New York. They didn't relitigate 2020. They focused on jobs. They focused on crime. They focused on the economy, and they won. Look at Georgia, where all of the Republicans in the Republican primary ran, argued about 2020. They all lost. The state party chairman in Georgia claims they, they knocked on 5 million doors. There aren't 5 million doors. To knock on the state of Georgia, there are only 10 million people. How could there be 5 million doors? Uh, it, it, it makes no sense. The guy can't run for office again. He says he's just not going to run. He can't run. I mean, the, 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 the governor of the state of Georgia has made the state party in Georgia radioactive. None of the major donors want to have anything to do with the state party anymore. You've got counties in Georgia where, I mean, they're, they're replacing like normal conservatives with stop the steal people. 
and they're just further alienating themselves. The, 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 the question for the GOP in my state of Georgia, wherever you are, is do you actually want to win and be relevant in the process? Because some Republicans will, and they'll bypass the nuts, and they'll just run for office, and they'll win. But when the nuts take over the GOP, nobody wants to have anything to do with the GOP. It's bad branding. I, I'm, I, I, I don't mean to, I, I don't mean to insult you. I just don't know that a lot of people understand it. If you put up the losers who lost in 2022 in a year that GOP should have won into 2024 when it's a presidential race, good luck. I mean, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. At some point, you have to realize whether you want to or not that you may think the election was stolen, but most people don't. And when you keep harping on it, you may pride yourself in the righteousness of your cause and the correctness of your opinion, but you're still going to be a loser. So do you want to win or do you want to lose? You don't have to lie. You just need to stop talking about it. Focus on the future, on crime, on education, and the economy, the wokes, the progressive agenda that you're combating. Relitigating the past, you're only going to lose. The decision is yours. So my kid has a queen size bed. We've got a king size bed. We got him bull and branch sheets, and he's used them. He had like kid sheets, and now he's old enough. He doesn't want the the action figure sheets anymore. Well, we got lost because I mean the sheets look like our sheets, except they're queen size sheets, and they got put in our closet. And the kid was in despair. We got him Bolin Branch sheets. They've gotten softer and softer. And he's like, where are my real sheets? He refused to sleep until we found the real sheets because they're that soft. They're that good. They're made with a 100% organic cotton thread. They get softer in every wash. You can stay cozy all winter long with a set of Bolin Branch sheets. They really are that good. We have them on multiple beds in our house. My goodness, my seriously, my kid, uh, he's finally like, my sheets are for kids. I'm I'm grown up now and... Uh, it's just a, a step of quality above what he had. And now he's like, can't sleep without these sheets. They're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They're made without toxins. They're free of pesticides, formaldehyde, other chemicals. They fit the deepest mattress too, which I love because we have a very thick mattress on our bed and it fits. It doesn't like bunch up and then snap off in the middle of the night when you roll over. You can get 15% off your forced order Bowling Branch sheets when you use promo code Eric at BowlingBranch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That's Bowling Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, I, of course, We'll be delighted to hear from you. Well, don't look now. There's another Fox News lawsuit. Uh, we've got the Dominion lawsuit moving forward. Now Smartmatic uh, is also moving forward. You know, I'm I'm really, I'm frustrated. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. I am disappointed. The more information that comes out about these, the more it's clear that, uh, well, it, to quote Bill Sammons, to paraphrase Bill Sammons, um, bad ratings causes good journalists to do bad things or poor ratings cause good journalists to do bad things. I, 
I really like the folks at Fox. I have a lot of friends at Fox News. I worked for the network for five years. I still make appearances regularly on the network. I, l- let me let me just put it to you this way. Well, you know what are the names that hasn't come up a lot at all, actually? Brian Kilmeade. And I think that speaks very well of Brian. I, I think the world of Brian Kilmeade. Uh, I think Brian Kilmeade is a straight shooter with a good head on his shoulders. And I think it's very notable that uh, there's been a trail of um, back-and-forth comments of people at Fox News, whether it's Tucker Carlson or Laura Ingram or Sean Hannity or others. And Brian Kilmeade isn't in any of it that I'm aware of um, because I think he's just a straight shooter. And I think you got to have straight shooters in the media, including at Fox News, and it's disturbing to read the messages and the transcripts of people who were either on air or behind the scenes who belittled the viewers of Fox News and thought that the stolen election stuff was all a lie, and yet they allowed it to be advanced on the network, claiming they were actually covering the news, and some of them uh, didn't buy into it at all but didn't want to push back on air because they were afraid of their viewers. You can say many things about me on this program, but I try not to be scared of losing my audience. I don't ever want to get in a position of telling you guys what you want to hear when I disagree with it. I don't think it comes across as true. I I had an incident uh, over the weekend where someone asked me to delete something from Instagram because I've got a got an ad deal, and one of the advertisers might not like it because it was a, about a competitor. And I did it first, and then I started thinking, I, I can't, I can't do that. I try to live authentically with you guys, and and if I've shopped someplace and I bought something and I like it, I and I put it on social media. Well, well, I have, and I, I'm I, I'll do that for different people and different groups and different businesses that I like. And I don't want to get in in the position of saying, well, I can't do that because I have this ad deal and that advertiser might get mad because that's not who I am. I try to live authentically with you all. And that's my frustration about so much of the media is they're not trying to be authentic with you. They're not trying to live life with you. Uh, They're trying to placate you so you don't run away and go somewhere else. And I just think if I started doing that, it would be a terrible, terrible road to go down. Um, Rush Limbaugh one time told me never get captured by my audience. And what he meant by that was never get to the point where the audience dictates the show uh, because then you won't sound like yourself and people are tuning in to sound like you're to hear you. So Fox is going to have another lawsuit, another $2.7 billion lawsuit filed against it. It's going to advance. Uh, in addition to the billion dollar lawsuit, it's already got from dominion systems and, all because it was scared of losing its audience. And so it allowed news to be shaped on air that it didn't actually believe just because of fear. That's a terrible road to go down. Hi there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. You can call in and be a part of the show. 877-973-7425. If you want to be, I want to, I want to play two clips for you. Uh, the first is from Bernie Marcus. He is the co-founder of Home Depot about the Silicon Valley Bank situation. I think that the system, I think that the administration has pushed many of these banks into more concern about global warming 
than they do about shareholder return. Uh, and these banks are badly run because everybody is focused on diversity and all of the woke issues and not concentrating on one thing they should, which is shareholder returns. Uh, instead of protecting the shareholders and their, and their employees, uh, they're more concerned about the social policies. Yeah. Um, Silicon Valley Bank, I'm reading now from Wall Street Journal, was regulated uh, like a bank but looked more like a money market firm. In its proxy statement, Silicon Valley Bank noted that besides 91% of their board being independent and 45% being women, they also had one black, that their words, not mine, one black, one LGBTQ plus and two veterans. Um, to Bernie Marcus's point, uh, the the head of risk for, according to the Daily Mail, the head of risk for Silicon Valley Bank uh, was focused on a pride march and a lesbian parade. However, it is also very, very necessary to say that SVB did not collapse because of ESG. It collapsed because it did not invest its excess cash in treasuries and chose instead to invest its excess cash in bonds that could not be readily liquidated to get in what it needed. Now, a little, a, a, a birdie, I, I should say, someone of note who is an expert who has been listening to the program today wanted me to pass along something on how this bailout is going to work. This is not my endorsement of what the Federal Reserve is doing, and I want you to understand it's not my endorsement. I'm just trying to explain it to you based on someone with direct knowledge of what's going on here. Silicon Valley Bank owned a lot of bonds. If those bonds could be left to pay out to maturity, they would have enough money to pay out all of their depositors. But because depositors were coming in and pulling money from the bank very rapidly, to sell those bonds would cause them to be illiquid. They wouldn't have enough to pay back. If they just held them for the term of the bond, they would. So what the Federal Reserve is doing as part of its bailout with Silicon Valley Bank is it's coming in, acquiring those bonds. It's going to pay out the money and then hold those bonds and cash them in as they come back. And so taxpayers won't be on the hook for the money. Uh, the Federal Reserve will just advance the money and wait for the bonds to be paid back and get the money back. That's part of what's going on here. I still don't think the Federal Reserve should do this because of the moral hazard involved. It's going to generate uh, additional operations of banks in the future that don't assess risk properly, knowing that the Federal Reserve will bail them out. But just so you understand why they're technically saying taxpayer money won't uh, be involved here is because they're taking existing funds the Fed has from the FDIC insurance fund, advancing those to cover the accounts, taking all of the bonds from Silicon Valley Bank, and will hold them to maturity and pay back the FDIC fund. 
assuming no other banks collapse in, in massive waves, they should be fine doing it. They have enough money on hand. That's what's happening, which is why it's not technically a taxpayer bailout, which is why a lot of Republicans today are not aggressively blasting the Federal Reserve for doing this since taxpayer money is not involved. Again, I'm not endorsing it. I'm just explaining it. Now, Congressman Comer of Kentucky, who is the head of the Government Oversight Committee in the House that's investigating Hunter Biden and the like, uh, listen to to this soundbite from him. Well, look, this is something that I, I worry could be a trend. Usually when one bank goes down, more banks go down. And what we've seen early on from the articles I've read in the Wall Street Journal and, and other financial publications is they invested a lot of cash, a lot of cash that I would assume they had from things like the PPP loan, government policy, and they invested it in bonds. And then because the Democrats spent too much money in all their stimulus, they they the bonds go down when interest rates go up. The Fed had to raise interest rates to combat the Democrat inflation. And then we see now coming out that uh, they were one of the most woke banks in uh, their inv- their quest for uh, the ESG type uh, type policy you know, and investing. You know, this could be a trend. And there are right. consequences for bad Democrat policy. And I think we need to keep an eye on all the, the banking sector right now. I would just be very careful making this about ESG and wokes. In all honesty, it's it's they were a woke bank. I mean, they they were in Silicon Valley for Pete's sake. They're a bunch of progressives, but it's not really about ESG. It's not really about wokeism. It's about terrible risk management. And to the extent that people on our side make it about ESG and wokes, we are distorting what actually happened. We are painting a false picture of it, and we got to be real careful about how we talk about it because that really was ancillary to the problem and not really about the problem. Now, we have another problem we got to deal with, the border. Bill Malugan at Fox News, he put up this video uh, late yesterday. Our contact in Juarez, Mexico, tells us a massive group of at least 1,000 migrants just attempted to rush a port of entry in El Paso, In an effort to get into the United States, video shows them pushing past the Mexican side of Paso del Norte Bridge, awaiting CBP comment. Uh, And then that was picked up and run with by uh, the breaking 911 account. On top of that, Virginia Allen has a piece at the Daily Signal. I went to the southern border at 3 a.m. This is what I saw. She's in Yuma County, Arizona. It was 3 a.m. and a line of about 40 illegal aliens stretched along a section of the border wall waiting to be transported to the local processing center. Behind the group stood another 50 people who had crossed the border illegally into Yuma County, Arizona. A large white bus full of illegal aliens had just departed for the Border Patrol station in Yuma about 185 miles southwest of Phoenix, and would return in an hour to take the next 40. Your country of origin, I asked, moving down the line. Peru, Dominican Republic, Ecuador, Colombia, Georgia, China, India, Cameroon. Nine nations were represented in a group of 50 illegal aliens. Border Patrol confirmed that one of the women in the other line came from Russia. Some smiled as they shared where they were from, while others averted their eyes from the camera looking down. According to a local leader, this scene plays out every night in Yuma County. 
This is not a large number of people, Jonathan Lines, a Yuma County District Supervisor said while turning to the group of illegal aliens behind him. Right now, we're averaging around 2,000 people a week. Previously, we were averaging 1,200 a day. But the numbers seem to drop off at the beginning of the year and then go back up. Why are they coming in the middle of the night, I asked Lines, my guide at the border. I had visited the same location in the afternoon the day before, and there were no migrants. This is an arrangement they've made with the cartel that is transporting them, the supervisor explained. I asked others, including Border Patrol, why illegal aliens were crossing at night, and no one could provide a definitive answer as to why so many came at night instead of during the day. Because the cartels control who crosses the border, it is possible the cartels send the groups of illegal migrants across the border at night so they can smuggle drugs and people might dis- more discreetly while Border Patrol is occupied. After crossing the border, the illegal aliens are processed within 48 hours and then released into the United States. Some migrants arrange their own transportation to their final destination. Others use the resources provided by the government or non-governmental organizations to reach their destination. A woman called Yonlin, 26, stood at the back of the line of legal aliens Thursday morning. She traveled from the Dominican Republic, she said, for a good future. She made the journey by car, by bus, by walking. Do you think the border's open, I asked her? Yes, Yonlin said, explaining that someone told her it's open, you can go into the United States. Her destination is Minnesota. Her grandmother, aunt, uncle, and a cousin live in Minnesota. Her two-year-old daughter is still in the Dominican Republic because Yonlin said she didn't have enough money to bring her along to the border, but hopes to do so. Local leaders in Yuma say the cartels charge migrants from South and Central America $7,000 to cross the border. Yonlin says she wants to work in the U.S., maybe in a restaurant or a hotel like she did in the Dominican Republic. Customs and Border Patrol report more than 91,000 encounters of illegal aliens in the Yuma, Arizona section alone, 181,670 square miles near and along the southern border. Y'all, that, that's from Virginia Allen with The Daily Signal. These people think they can walk into the country. They think the border is open. What is the Biden administration doing that's signaling to them this? I'll tell you what it is. When Donald Trump left office and Joe Biden won the election, one of the first things he said about the border was tell people there's a new sheriff in town, essentially. I'm paraphrasing them, but essentially what he did, that, that we'll welcome them here. And they listened. They believed and they came. So now Joe Biden is having to do the thing that Donald Trump once did, which is detain them, put them back into cages. Remember the concentration camps? Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said we were running, put them back in cages. That, that's, that's what they're going to do. That's where they're going. That's what they claim. And he's got to. We have a massive problem on our southern border. Now, it is true. We are workers starved in this country, for lack of a better term. We we need more workers. We need real workers. We need people filling jobs. We are short-staffed in the service industry. But that's no excuse for illegal aliens. There are Americans we should rely on for the job. There are Americans 
that we should be making jobs available to. There are people coming back into the workforce. That's one reason the unemployment report saw a spike last week, because when you're not looking for a job, you're not counted as unemployed. It's when you come back into the workforce that you get treated as as unemployed while you're looking for a job. So the number went up because people are coming back in. We shouldn't be trading off for illegal aliens when there are Americans coming back into the workforce. The Biden administration is going to have to get this under control because this is a problem the Biden administration itself created, not Donald Trump. They can't blame him for this, even as they try. Patriot Mobile is working uh, with groups out there that are opposed to illegal immigration. They don't like it either because they share your values. They're Christian conservatives. They work with the Second Amendment movement. They work with the pro-life movement. They want to advance the conservative cause. They even help conservative parents battle wokes on school boards. All you got to do is move your cell phone service to them by going to patriotmobile.com slash Eric today. Patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You get guaranteed great service. They use the same cell towers you're probably already using with your existing cell phone company. You can even take your existing phone number and move it to Patriot Mobile. It's patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can also call them 972-PATRIOTS, the phone number, 972-PATRIOT. You get guaranteed great service. You get great discounts if you're a veteran, a first responder, a teacher, an NRA member, have multiple lines for your household. They might be able to save you some money. And you're doing business with a company that shares your values and supports the causes you care about. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K or call them 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you get free activation and get that guaranteed great service. Welcome. You know who you're listening. I hope you know who you're listening to. I want you to listen to some data. The site Marginal Revolution has engaged in the conversation a lot of people are having about teen depression and why is it that uh, progressive girls are the most depressed, progressive boys the second most, and then it's it's conservative girls and then conservative boys are the least depressed. Listen to this. A one standard deviation increase in religiosity decreases the probability of being depressed by 11%. That's the data. A one standard deviation increase in religiosity decreases the probability of being depressed by 11%. Progressive kids who are raised in secular households who have been taught to catastrophize everything to get their way, the world's coming to an end unless we do X, the world's coming to an end unless we do Y, they are depressed because they're not getting their way. Their policy outcomes, they've decided, uh, are the key to survival, aren't happening, and they have grown to despair. Meanwhile, religious kids, particularly of the Christian faith, tend to suffer less depression because they trust in the sovereignty of God. The data bears this out. Most people will be dismissive of it. I don't think they should be. I just, if if you're told, you know, so I mentioned this before, Neil Brennan, the comedian, he's got this uh, thing that he thinks atheism is the height of white privilege, that he knows very few atheists who are non-white. Uh, and white people are like, really? You're, you're telling me there's an attorney that could be better than this? <laughs> Makes a good point. Um, in, in secular society today, um, if this is all there is to life, 
wouldn't you be a little bit disappointed as well? Particularly if you thought this is all there is and it's going to burn because the mouth breather across the street has too many kids and drives an SUV. I, I think you would be struggling for mental health as well. It just, it, there's something to be said for this. And now related to all of this comes word that in Great Britain, they've decided to roll back gender affirming care. They decided that they've gone too far. And in fact, the studies that suggest gender affirming care, that is uh, sex operations for children, uh, it turns out that a lot of the data was flawed data. And upon review of the studies, actually there are very few that suggest it does good and the bulk of the studies suggest it can do a lot of harm. And they're walking it back. They follow on the heels of Norway, Sweden, Finland, France, Germany. The United States is apparently the last major holdout here. And more and more doctors are beginning to speak out, even in this country, speaking about speaking out about what's going on. Daily Caller has this. A pioneer in child gender dysphoria treatments says trans medical industry is harming kids. Susan Bradley, a Canadian psychiatrist and pioneer, came out against the popular model of affirming children's transgender identities and putting them on puberty blockers. Bradley started a pediatric gender clinic in 1975 aimed at treating children with gender dysphoria. Around 2000, the clinic began prescribing puberty blockers to gender dysphoric children as a way to alleviate their distress. Bradley, now in her 80s, expressed regret that the clinic had participated in giving puberty blockers which she now believes can cement a child's sense of confusion out of which they would likely otherwise outgrow. She's concerned about the drug side effects. We were wrong, she says. They're not as irreversible as we always thought, and they have longer-term effects on kids' growth and development, including making them sterile and quite a number of things affecting their bone growth. The medical community abroad is changing their minds here in this country I wonder if it's too much fear, the bullying from the activists. It's got people scared. They don't want to stand up. They don't want to talk. But, you know, looks like some people are finding a way to speak out finally, which is a good thing. We're dealing with people with mental health struggles that the activists don't want to treat as a mental health situation. And that in and of itself is not a good thing. And seeing some reform in Europe at least gives me hope that maybe it'll happen here. All right, we're out of time. I guess I got to save Mike Pence for tomorrow because Pence finally decided he's going to go after Trump and did it big this weekend. I'll have the details tomorrow.